Welcome back for another episode of Counting the Stars. I'm Mary Gillum, and I'm here for morning coffee with my husband, Malone Gillum, where we ponder and discuss the big questions of life. Who are we? Why are we the way we are? What is truth and what is fiction? And just as endless as the stars in the sky are, our exploration never runs out of new questions and discoveries. So grab a cup of coffee for yourself if you like, and join us as we dive into what's unfolding this week. Let's focus in on seeing a little more of life and truth and do some growing up together as family. Here we go. Well, this morning I had the idea that we should record the podcast outside on the porch (laughs) because the birds are singing and it's so beautiful, but it would have just been a bird meditation because (laughs) they're so loud. That's all that you would hear. And I just want to sit there and listen to the birds. So it wouldn't really have worked. (laughs) Would have been fun though. Uh Uh-huh. Maybe one of these days we'll do an outside recording. So we've been watching a series on Netflix called The Medici. Let's chat about The Medici. Okay. (laughs) Um, Set in the medieval um, era in the what they call the state of Florence. And I'm not the historian at all here, but um, it is, it's historical fiction, but it depicts the culture of that time and the, the power struggle that's so evident in society and within the church is You know, I knew that was a fact, but it's just shocking to see it played out in a drama like this. And the the evidence of people's devotion and the priority of your, your home city and your lineage developing and growing in power within that kind of place of origin is so strong. And it's interesting to see it all played out in that landscape of medieval time. Yeah, people were much more tied to where they lived than we are today. We're a mobile society. People pick up and move, and it's not a big deal. In fact... Often people move because they can improve their station by moving, and rarely was that the case back then because who you were was tied into the town you lived in uh, in a much more potent way. So you almost had to give that up in order to go start somewhere else, and it was much more difficult. So, yeah, so there were city-states, um cities kind of as the political and cultural center of a geographic location and they Italy was filled with different ones that mm-hmm. vied for land and influence yeah 
And in the episode we just watched last night, the main character is exiled from his home state of Florence. And he w- and before he was exiled, he was sentenced to die and he was prepared to die and would have preferred to die than to have been exiled out of his home of Florence, which is, it's, uh, shows a lot of how, how much his identity was tied to being in this location and how, and, and so where I'm going with this is just how times obviously change all the time, but that our sense of identities over the centuries and where we find our identity from, you know, you could almost do a whole study of that progression and that change through the centuries and then look at it today. Where, where do we find our identity? What is it based on? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are some real similarities because his identity is is totally enmeshed in being a banker. I mean, that's their deal. And the main difference is now you can bank electronically. So physical presence in a particular place is not a, doesn't matter, but the identity is still really connected and formed by vocation then and now. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and there's plenty of talk about as we mature spiritually and as we grow as people that we, we have this growing awareness of our, our identity is not what we do, but who we are and how important that is to address and to kind of wrestle with because we're, we're so programmed in especially Western culture to, find our value in what we do and our job and our successes. Um, and to come back to that place of just inherent value is so crucial, you know, as we grow and as we age and as we explore and count our stars about what's really true and what really matters. Yeah. Because those really secondary identities all eventually fade I mean, you retire, so then you you go into some kind of crisis because you don't know who you are anymore. That's why so many people have difficulty with retirement. They don't know who they are anymore because it, their job defined them. Motherhood um, does it a lot of the time. You know, once all the kids are gone, sometimes moms go through incredible identity crisis because it's all been tied up in being a a hands-on mom, not that you ever stop being a mother or father, but when your kids are gone, it's a completely different ball game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's important to discover that we are not uh, the sum of what we do because those things eventually end and then what are we left with? Yeah. And that goes along with a topic that, that we've been kind of just dipping our toes into with with the podcast from Mullins. I forget his first initials. 
RT. In the um, the topic of just development of virtues uh, and how if we're going to grow as people and, and if we're going to, again, dive into these things that truly matter, the real rich stuff of humanity, it takes some stress. It takes some challenge. It, it takes adversity. Otherwise, those things don't have the ability to be developed, right? Mm-hmm. So go ahead. No, I was just going to give an example. Um, for instance, you know, virtues that we uh, honor, like courage. Well, you can't have courage unless you are facing fear or adversity. So courage can't exist without the adverse. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so that's what you're talking about, that those things that uh, develop our character that are laudable um, really can't. In some respects, they can't exist without the the challenge or the adversity. Yeah. So in some ways, the people whose lives have been... um, have been privileged or have been easier or they've had all the advantages and successes um, in a way... Uh, they may have more difficulty when they do encounter adversity, true adversity, for the first time later in life, as opposed to someone who who grew up with challenge and and met it and and had mentors and were modeled, you know, these virtues that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So my question to you is. What were some of the earliest challenges in your life that helped you see and grow and engage in kind of more mature living? Mm. I didn't get these questions ahead of mm. time, so I need just a moment. Oh, no, you don't get that. You don't get prep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, one that immediately pops into my head is, you know, my <clears throat> parents were generous, um, and certainly they would, my dad would give me, you know, some money if I wanted to go do something. However, I also, they said, you got to, you need to earn your own money. So it's not just... I was not on a trust fund or anything by any stretch of the imagination. Um, But I remember, you know, getting a job in a grocery store when I was 16 years old. Um, And basically, I've worked since then. Uh, So learning how to earn money, uh, that it's not just, you know, uh, we don't have a big reservoir of it. We didn't in our family. So this the virtue of... Uh, value, you know, appreciating what you have and that you have to work for it. It's not just been given to you. Even though we were, by many measures, we were well off uh, comparatively, but my parents still thought it was really important for me to learn how to work. 
Mm-hmm. So that would be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early on in my life, you know, I trained as a dancer real in very intensively and that was that was truly my life and my identity it was i invested time energy focus that was my vision for for life and then after dancing professionally for a couple of years my the vision just lost steam and i wasn't motivated or fulfilled and so looking at other options for the rest of my life became something brand new for me and then and then taking those steps and moving into that totally different arena of lifestyle was huge for me and and went through a a whole kind of identity questioning crisis which was helpful even though I was confused and and it was hard it helped me to realize I'm, I was more than Mary the dancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of parenting in general, that we don't want to, we don't want to save our children from struggle all the time because then, then they're not shaped and formed. Absolutely. And it, I don't know if anybody else out there identifies with this, but it can be hard to do because we want to rescue them. Yeah. Um, we don't like to see them suffer, but suffering is what's going to bring out those virtues. Um, so it's a hard... I And I think it's hard depending upon how we experienced a lot of those things. You know, were we rescued out of things or were we... Or was it the other extreme, you know, where were our challenges made even more challenging because of overbearing parents, uh, you know, who made it even harder? Um, and if you were formed in that and you rebel against that, then you might tend to want to rescue your children. So there's a, there's a lot that works into that. Yeah. And just realizing that you have another option if... If you want to allow the challenge to be the actual challenge, so allow, you know, natural consequences to take their effect, it doesn't mean you have to abandon your child or your friend or your parent, but you can, you can actually walk through that suffering with them. You know, that's a different kind of dynamic than rescuing them from it. You can show them that love and that support as they walk through the suffering, which is what God does with us. And in going back to, you know, our show that we're watching the Medici, it seems like, and this is not just that culture, this is ours as well, that, that the first knee-jerk reaction to adversity is to fight back against it, to be aggressive, to be, to take charge and gain power over it and force the change rather than this other dynamic of sitting back and noticing what your options are. And maybe that's to walk through the suffering with patience 
Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth in that. I, I, you know, as with anything, I don't think there's a blueprint for any of it. You yeah. know, there's that's why I'm so skeptical of self-help books. Um, the person who wrote them is writing things with from a particular context as it was appropriate to their lives. And, you know, we're different. Uh, there may be some general things that are the same, but sometimes it's the, it's right to fight back. Yeah. You know, that the adversity is enough because it becomes damaging and uh, maybe uh, deprivation is involved. So sometimes, yeah, you fight back and you, you get rid of that adversity. And sometimes you need to sit back and be formed by it. It's, but I don't think there's a rule of thumb as to when you do which. You just got to kind of listen to the Holy Spirit in the in the midst of each one and d- discern the best you can. Yeah. Yeah, the trouble with that is that we would be more comfortable if there were rule books that we could follow because that gives us more control over the uncertain future. If we have the answers beforehand, then we don't have to be uncertain. You know, we can know what to do almost before it happens. Yeah, it totally reminds me of gamers who um, uh, what are, they get like guides to walk them through the game. So they're actually not experienced the game by any chance. They know if they go do X, Y, Z that something is going to happen. So they are really just going through the motions of their the game they're playing, and they're actually not playing the game. And we do the same thing, or we want to do the same thing. We want to know, you know, if I do X, Y, Z, this is what's going to happen. Um, maybe so we don't waste time or we don't mess anything up, but it really steals the adventure out of life mm-hmm. because it's just... Um, well, it's like watching a movie again once you know what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's okay, but there's no adventure in it. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, but I think that as people, that's why we're so attracted to story. Because we don't know the twists and the turns. And to walk through that story without knowing what's going to happen is exciting because we relate to it. Like, that's life. That's the process of living through time is... There are going to be surprises and there are going to be ups and downs and it, you get on the ride and you take it. Which opens up a question which we can't address now. Um, and, and not that we could even address it very smartly at any point, but um, when it comes to theology, thinking about God, you know, did God preordain everything is God just watching a movie he's already created there's nothing surprising to him and there's some theologians that say yeah that's exactly what's happened it's all been uh, preordained and God made the movie and now he's just watching it and there's nothing unusual or un- or surprising to him he knows exactly what's going on um, or is God did he actually give us freedom to make choices and he's reacting and adjusting to what we do, knowing 
where the movie ultimately is going to go, but he doesn't know exactly how it's going to get there. And there are other theologians who believe that. So, Well, I know which one I believe. <laughs> <laughs> and how would we even have the desire and the excitement of watching a story and watching it unfold and understanding that there, there will be surprises and people will make their own choices. Where did all that come from, if not from our Creator? Well, yeah, I agree with that. We've noted, we've, we've talked about this before, more and more recently, I think, just the awareness that our levels of fear of just this, of living life as an adventure and not trying to control so much, that it's our levels of fear that hold us back from enjoying our own stories. Hmm. And I'm not talking about healthy fear of knowing natural consequences of doing stupid things, but of just engaging life boldly and realizing that relationships are fluid and um, uncontrollable. Um, yeah, and even within that, I agree. And within that, realizing that people are different because someone might hear, you know, living life boldly and risking. Well, that looks different for different people. There are people who are wired as creative risk-taking entrepreneurs who they should probably risk more than I might because it's the way they are wired. Uh, but we should all, you know, press into uh, what life is offering us, but we'll do it in different ways. That's the fun of the story. The characters are all different. And watching them all interact and watching them grow and go through life is fun because that's that's reality. That's who we are as a great big family. It's important to keep that perspective. It's easy to lose that perspective of enjoying watching what's going on rather than just judging it. I don't like that character. How can I get rid of that character? How can I not have that character in my life? <laughs> <laughs> They're all important to the plot. All right. Well, here's to walking through another day of our story. And part of that story is shout out to our eldest daughter, Gracie. Today is her birthday. Hooray! Happy birthday, Grace. See you next week. Thanks for sharing your time with us today. We hope you feel encouraged and included in all of these discussions. Above all, we really want you to know that you matter. And we're all really just one big family. So until next week, keep noticing your stars. Enjoy your freedom to explore life and just take it one step at a time. Peace. Peace.